Hello, and welcome back to the conversation where we get the opportunity to meet some of the most incredible people on the planet. I'm just going to call it on the planet. And right now, I am joined by the executive director of People for the American Way, the honorable one himself. Yes, he was a mayor. And he only been here on the earth by the hot minute, but he was a mayor of Ithaca, <laughs> New York. Oh my God. And Mayor, Mayor Marek, how are you? It's good to see I am, you. I am good. And thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate the welcome and very excited for the new role. Uh, and yeah, I feel like I've only I've only been around a while, but uh, but I was mayor for most of that while. I had to ten, yeah. serve 10 years, the people of the city of Ithaca, which is, the honor of a lifetime. And you were the youngest mayor, correct, ever elected so far, thus far? So far, I'm the youngest mayor in New York State history. Uh, something, yeah. a record I'm eager to see broken, you know, part of our work. Uh, much like you, apologies for fanboying, but I'm such a big fan of Nina Turner and Senator Turner. And the work you've done to build a pipeline of progressive young people and encouraging them to run for office. Something we care about here at People for the American Way, a big part of the reason I took the job is so that we can build that pipeline and encourage more people, young people to run for office because we just desperately need it. Young people have that energy, that creativity, that moral authority that, that we need. And I was 20 when I was elected to the city council and 24 when I became mayor. And I'm proud of much of what we achieved and much of what we achieved is because I was I was too young to know any better. So we passed our own Ithaca Green New Deal and saw it through and re reimagined public safety in a, in a dramatic and promising way in Ithaca, as well as building thousands of units of affordable housing, you know, in part because I was, uh, yeah, I was just young enough to believe. So we got to get more young people. And that's why I love TYT too. I mean, it's right there in the title, right? The Young Turks. And yeah. Uh, uh, encouraging your audience of young people who are so already politically engaged. Hope to help some of them run for office and, and become the youngest mayor in their state's history. Amen to that. And we'll take the young at heart too. Yes. Uh, oh, <laughs> so we get a I know, I know many a 90 year old that is more creative and energetic than, uh, than some cynical 19 year olds I know. Amen to that. It cuts both ways, but I definitely understand it. So, Glad that you were not old enough to know better and you were able to dream big dreams and actually say, we are going to accomplish this right here. Now we need more of that boldness there. So executive director of People for the American Way, you get to work with some incredible people. You guys have a stellar board. And uh, but one of my dearest friends in all of the world, Mr. Ben Jealous himself, who I finally call, I fondly call BJ. He's, he's working <laughs> with you there. Yeah. Yes. yes, Ben has been a great mentor to me. I mean, he's one of the great civil rights leaders of, of our time, just period. Yes, and himself was the youngest leader of the NAACP and has got the battle scars to prove it and and uh, is still in this fight. You know, I mean, he was he was kicked out of out of Columbia some 20 plus odd years ago for fighting for justice, but still persevered and uh, became a Rhodes Scholar and now leads our organization, which as you mentioned, you know, talk about 90 plus year olds with energy and creativity. Norman Lear is going to be celebrating his 100th birthday this year. He's one of our That's founders. Right. Yes. Dolores Huerta runs us all ragged. Dolores is still 
uh, we have to take turns when we are staffing her at events because uh, she tires us all out because she's she's just going to keep going and going and going. Uh, and we, we're, we're really quite lucky to have from Alyssa Milano to Reverend Tim McDonald, a lot of great people on our team. And what we're trying to do is is broaden our tent even more. You know, People for the American Way has a, a history, a, a storied history from stopping Bork from being appointed to the Supreme Court 40 years ago. Uh, to being founded to oppose the moral majority, you know. Now I'm saying stuff now that people my age younger probably don't even know what I'm talking about. But Google moral majority and just trust me, this is the forerunner of the sort of fascism that we're seeing in the right wing today. That's uh, right. It is time to bring this organization to new levels and bring this fight back to the American public, you know, because it's right there in the name. Uh, America could be, should be, can be uh, a place where everybody can live their dream life. But there's a project underway in the right wing to redefine who is American, right? You must be male first, you must be white, you must be Christian, you must be straight. Any deviation from those things and makes wealthy. You not only slightly less American, but also less human. And yeah. that's what we've got to fight. Yeah, no, you really laid it out and just walking down that history, especially as we're coming upon the weekend before the celebration of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s holiday. It's good to talk to you as one of the leaders for of the organization, People for the American Way, because you all are not just, you know how some people, they like to quote them and they talk about them, but People for the American Way is actually working to actualize the things that the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Mrs. Coretta Scott King Got to shout her out to actually we're fighting for. And I don't know, Mayor, about you, but some, I just feel like we're going backwards. And the voting rights fight that People for the American Way has been a part of with some other stellar organization organizations is yet another reminder that justice is not a destination. It is indeed a journey. Mm, that is well said and, and, and so totally true. You know what Ben did this past summer? With a couple of the organizations like the League of Women Voters, when they decided to take the fight for voting rights to the White House and to go and not just protest, but get themselves arrested, along with you know, Dr. King's grandchild, right? Along with other leaders of this movement, along with Georgia representatives like B. Wynn, who's running for the Secretary of State and would be a terrific, terrific person to help lead and oversee elections here in Georgia. They all went to the White House, put their bodies on the line and got arrested by a Democratic administration, right? Protesting yeah. a Democratic administration when a lot of other groups were saying, don't rock the boat. A lot of other constituents were like, we've got to back our president. And I'll, I'll put my cards on the table. I love Joe Biden. I, I happily voted for him. I think he's doing a great job under difficult conditions. But I'll tell you this, as being an executive, Myself for 10 years, an elected executive. You have to, even with the, especially with the elected officials you like and love, you've got to, got to, got to help them see where the priority should be. And what Ben and what People for the American Way did in keeping up this drumbeat is get the administration to move to the incredible step they took today, something that didn't seem possible six months ago. The president giving a, 
I mean, it was frankly, it was a fiery speech. I, my my mom called me, texted me, and said it was peppery, which I liked. It was a very peppery speech today, uh, calling not just for members of the Republican Party to stop obstructing, but saying that he supports ending the filibuster in order to get voting rights done. And that he is going to call on every member of his party in the United States Senate to vote up or down. That's something that he was not just reluctant to say or do. He flat out said he wouldn't do it before. But that kind of pressure, the, the kind of pressure that truly only your friends can put on you, is what's going to keep us moving forward. Okay, I'm, glad like you, you. I'm like you. I really, I got to meet uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Martin Luther King III today, and. Uh, Overwhelming um, experience, like a slight, like a kind of an emotional experience. Uh, and I really am, like you, like you just said. I I used to believe that you know the the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. I always kind of thought like, yeah, things will be okay. Um, what Dr. King's life actually showed us, what his words showed us, what Dr. King's family continues to show us. Is that things will only be okay if we make them okay. That's like exactly it is right. possible to go backwards. It, <laughs> it is. It's happened before. We can go backwards unless we insist on going forward. I felt the same way you did. I got a chance um, a couple of months ago to interview Martin Luther King Jr. the third, along with his family and granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, or his daughter, but you know, uh, Dr. Reverend Dr. King's granddaughter Yolanda. It was just she just took over the entire interview. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> BJ was there, and, and uh, Mrs. King was there, and it was just a beautiful thing. And I I felt the same way you did. What an honor to have the King family on TYT as a unit. You know, part of a larger King unit, along with Ben Jealous talking about how important. So, Mayor, as you lay out. Even in that moment, they were talking about the pressure that you all were putting in other groups like Black Voters Matter and you know other activist groups to try to move the president to where he is today. And let let's we'll play a clip, a portion of what the president had to say today about the filibuster. We have 50-50 in the United States Senate. That means we have 51 presidents. You all think I'm kidding. I've been pretty good at working with senators my career, but man, when you got 51 presidents, it gets harder. Any one can change the outcome. Sadly, the United States Senate, designed to be the world's greatest deliberative body, has been rendered a shell of its former self. Gives me no satisfaction in saying that as an institutionalist, as a man who was honored to serve in the Senate. But as an institutionalist, I believe that the threat to our democracy is so grave that we must find a way to pass these voting rights bills. Debate them, vote, let the majority prevail. And if that bare minimum is blocked, we have no option but to change the Senate rules, including getting rid of the filibuster for this. Well, strong words, Mayor, from the president. Now, caveat he made is changing the rules of the filibuster for this. I'm going to insert in there that this means voting rights. But we know that the right to vote is connected to so many other things that we need to have happen in this country. Do you all, from your perspective, 
what the president had to say today? Do you think that that is enough to get the kind of movement that we need in the Senate on this? And then hopefully changing the rules within the Senate altogether. Because as you and I both know, there are a lot of other important things that need to move in the US Senate to enhance the lives of the people who live in this country. Yeah, true. I mean, and, and that's what's important to him. So I'm, I am gonna answer your question directly. Forgive me, it's not a little too much elected official in me. Um, <laughs> I am gonna answer the question directly. But I, I wanna say that the point you just made, which is that, look, we need clean water. That's right? Right. We need clean air. We need free education for every child in this country. We need nobody to be hungry. We need nobody to be homeless. We know that these things are possible. In order to get them, we need a better government, right? And a lot of folks might be asking, why are we talking about the Voting Rights Act? You guys are just over here arguing about the rules. Why don't you get to work on, on ending homelessness? Why don't you get to work on ending uh, poverty? Uh, and then we can have your conversation about the rules. We cannot solve those problems if we allow the right wing to make the rules. They know if we vote, we win. There are more people who want to solve, uh, to ease human suffering uh, than just want to let the richest people hoard their wealth. So that is why they focused so much, a thousand bills in state legislatures this past year, a thousand bills trying to make it harder to vote. They understand that if uh, they are going to win their agenda, it is because they made it harder to vote, which is why we have got to win this legislation first. And then, and Nina Turner, I think this is where you're headed. Look, will this solve all of those problems? No, it won't. But it will mean that we can stay alive in the midterms. We can win state legislative races. We can win more presidentials, which could allow us to do other things that would make our elections make more sense. Like, for example, using the popular vote instead of the Electoral College, making Washington, D.C. the 51st state in the country, and then passing pieces of legislation and initiatives like the Green New Deal that'll make the country more prosperous, safer, and and uh, frankly, a better place to live. Yeah, God knows we definitely need it. All of those things are interconnected. And that's why ensuring that people have that unfettered access to the ballot box is so vitally important because it is connected to every other thing that we want to have happen. And when you crush people's access to that ballot box when you limit it, when you cheat to win. And that's basically what Republicans are doing. And I can tell you as, a, as somebody that served in a legislative body in the Ohio Senate, to see that kind of thing both happen in my state when I was in the legislature, continue to happen you know, all across this country. We have got to do something about it. And the federal government must step in mm-hmm. to ensure that the right to vote is not uh, scale back is not taken away. We should be expanding and protecting the right. I mean, Mayor, I don't even know why that's controversial, but let's put up <laughs> something. But you know, a, but of course, you know, you do know why. Is I because, do. I do. Right, right. Because they, they, they know they can't win uh, if everybody votes. No, they can't so, win straight up. They got to cheat. That's right. Yeah. So the people for the American Way, there's a tweet I want to share with, with the folks who are joining us right now. And uh, basically, You all tweeted that a democracy doesn't exist if your neighbor's right to vote is suppressed. 
Let that sink in. Mm. We'll pause on that. Let that sink in. Mm. This is why we need President of the United States to urge the Senate to eliminate the filibuster as a barrier and pass federal voting rights legislation like the Freedom to Vote Act right away. So again, people for the American way making it very clear. Uh, you all have a hashtag. Uh, no more excuses, I think is the hat, which I love it. Talk to us about, I mean, that's coming strong for some folks that that might be a little too strong for me. It's just right. Uh, yes. No more excuses. Tell, Share with us how, how you all came uh, to that to be the hashtag. We understand that there are pressures in the world and there are conflicting agendas. And we understand uh, there's a narrow majority in the House and the Senate is 50-50. And we had to pass ARPA and that made sense, right? And we had to pass the infrastructure bill and okay, we sort of, we didn't want to, but fine, we did it, okay. The clock is ticking, there are no more excuses. Democrat, independent, Republican, whatever. We're, we are not accepting excuses anymore because uh, if we can't guarantee this fundamental right, uh, if we can't guarantee it, and right now this might seem abstract, right? It might seem maybe you're in a state uh, where the right to vote is not currently under attack and you're watching what's happening in Atlanta and you're kind of concerned or you're hot watching what's happening in Ohio and you, you think it's unfair. But trust me, once they take away our right to vote, once they take away fair and free elections, they can take away everything else. That is the building block of an open and free civilization. So we are, are no longer accepting any excuses. What we have been demanding is that President Biden make this his top A1 priority. And that's exactly what he did today. I, I just gotta say, we, we were you know going the, into it this morning. We weren't sure what he was gonna say. We weren't sure how strong he was gonna be. What it felt like today, and and I was blessed enough to be sitting, you know, Jesse Jackson over here, and Reverend Sharpton over there, Senator Warnock, Senator Ossoff, um, folks who have seen a campaign or two. We all turned to each other and said, "That is what the beginning of a winning legislative campaign looks like." And what the president did, and the vice president, by the way, whose whose remarks were forceful. What he did today is what the beginning of a winning legislative campaign looks like. Now, of course, the rest is up to us, right? We have to continue to say no more excuses for everybody else. The president said it. Change the rules, make it a common sense, 51 votes to pass a Voting Rights Act, 51 votes to pass the John Lewis Act, follow the president. The rest of our party needs to get on board, follow the president, and get this over the finish line. Yeah, and it is my sincere hope, but we don't just have to. Hope is definitely a motivator for humanity. But to have and to have groups like People for the American Way and others putting the pressure on. Because you opened up with something, Mary, that I want to go back to that is important. You can love a politician, you can like a politician, love and like a whole lot of people. And at the same time, hold them accountable and challenge them. Those two things do not have to be mutually exclusive. And sometimes people forget that because just because you admire someone, especially somebody in public office, somebody that holds the people's power, it's not their power, it's the people's power. And they're supposed to use that power to act on behalf of 
that there's nothing wrong with saying you have a healthy respect and or in some cases a love for a politician. We still have a responsibility to hold them accountable. And for me, sometimes I just don't get it why folks will jump in front of a train to save some of the most powerful people in the world. But when it comes to people who have been marginalized, depressed, stressed, we often hold them sometimes to a higher standard than we will hold people who are elected to office. And that bothers me greatly. Yeah, I get it. We, we, we're so afraid of the other side. We just we feel like uh, our person is the uh, even when we disagree with them, we feel like we've got to protect them because they're what's keeping us safe. From uh, as, as Joe Biden says, you know, uh, please don't compare me to the Almighty. Compare me to the alternative. And uh, you know, he's right. He's right. But you can hear constructive feedback from a friend. Uh, more than an opponent. And that's why your friends owe it to you to give you constructive feedback. And what, you know, if you're out here, if you're getting, if you're protesting, if you're getting arrested, uh, if you're calling on the president to do more, uh, well, what makes you a friend and not an opponent is that when they do the right thing, you have to then also be the first to say, that's our guy. Look what he did. Yeah. He did the right thing. And that's how I feel today. I feel that way about our president today. Like, you know, he gave the. Now, is it a speech you would have loved to see in August of 2021? Yes. But as the ancient proverb says, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. And uh, today is what we've got. So let's, let's, Take this campaign. Well, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna see what happens. So there are some of the activist groups that decided that they were not going to attend, making it very clear that they're over all of the speeches. So when we have a graphic for that, and Georgia voting rights groups boycott Biden's Atlanta speech. We don't need even more photo ops. We need action, and you know they're the yin to the yang here. Is that some of these groups like? A black vote, vote voters matter. Actually, you know, had conversation with the King family, has worked with the King family, and both sides understood. You know, because even the King family made a statement that they were kind of questioning whether they should show up or not. I think the beautiful thing about what you all have been able to do in this space is people have different views on how to get to the same ends. And you all have not torn each other down, torn each other down because you have different ways to get to the same ends. But I have a lot of respect for the groups who did decide to boycott, as well as the people who did decide to attend. Yeah, me too, and I, I totally. And I actually saw their statement. We met in the morning before going in with some of those groups, representatives from some of those groups. And you know, first, it's always important to, to play an inside-outside game in the movement. And I understand that coming from government into the civil rights movement. But I also understand how they're feeling. Look, they're on the ground doing work every day. And they didn't know what was going to be in the speech. Maybe it was going to be a speech that just said, hey, folks, I think maybe we can still work together to get this done. I hope that they heard the same thing I did and that they are as excited about the president's commitment. I know actually having spoken to some of them to go, okay, it was a good speech. He said more than we thought he would. But right. Let's see what happens tomorrow. Back in yeah, 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 yeah. And which and is all fair. fair. 
I think yeah, that's fair, I, yeah. I respect and, um, Mayor, the last clip I want to show very quickly comes from someone from my home state, Mr. David Pepper. He's the former chair of the Ohio Democratic Party. We serve the Ohio Democratic Party together. He's been doing these whiteboards, educating us about different things in history and talk and really laying out why we must deal with what is happening in the states too, how that really is the place where our rights are truly being eroded more quickly because Democrat, I mean, excuse me, because Republicans control so many legislatures across the country. So I want to put up his his graphic. And he says, as the president and the vice president speak in Georgia today, remember this painful moment from history when they saw it coming but didn't act. Lesson, if the federal government doesn't step up and protect democracy when it is under attack, it can die. And there's a video attached to this that I really encourage the people who have joined us on the conversation today to watch. But David Pepper is exactly right. The federal government must take action to protect voting rights. And today seems to be a very good step in that direction. Mayor, thank you so very much for joining us today on the conversation. Uh, Mayor Myrick is indeed the executive director of People for the American Way. Check them out, follow them on Facebook, on Twitter, on the gram. Thank you so much for your leadership and all that the People for the American Way are doing for the people of this great nation. Thank you, Senator Turner. Thank you so much.